Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Friday, December the 16th, in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and what we are doing the last Fridays of this year, and this will be the last Friday we're on for 2022, we will be back on the air on January the 9th. There's going to be a Christmas break here at KFUO until January the 9th. And we are talking about right now on Fridays what the theme I had for my Wednesday night Advent services was. Before I do that, I would like to say I appreciate those who are able to send a donation to keep law and gospel going. And we're about $7,000 short for the year. And if you'd like to send a gift, you make the checkout to Law and Gospel, and then you send it to Law and Gospel, Post Office Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. And we would sure appreciate that as we are look forward to continuing with you in 20. 23. Well, getting to the theme for today, during Advent, I always like to have a theme, as I like having also in Lent. And I did a brand new theme that I have never done before for the Advent Wednesdays, and there's four of them. Now, normally you only do three Advent Wednesdays because after the third one, you get close to Christmas. And Christmas, if it's on a Thursday or a Friday, well, then you don't have the fourth Advent service and just have Christmas. But Christmas this year is on Sunday. So we will be having a fourth Wednesday Advent service. What is the theme for each of the Advent services? I call it rescue. See, that's the goal of the church, to rescue individuals so that they may rejoice in knowing that God is taking care of them. That rescue comes about simply because God is with us at all times, but certain events took place for God to rescue us. And the four events that I talked about on each of the Wednesdays in Advent the first was rescue by incarnation. The second, rescue by crucifixion. The third, rescue by resurrection. And the fourth, rescue by ascension. Now, we've already talked about rescue by incarnation and crucifixion, but I'll just summarize it in case you hadn't heard our last two Fridays. Rescue by incarnation. I find that what I'm trying to get across is the theological meaning of these Asians, incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. What is the theological meaning? A lot of people, when they think of the word incarnation, they think about Christmas Day, because is that not the day that Jesus was born as a human being? That is correct. 
but Christmas Day is not the event of his incarnation. It's the event of his birth. When was he incarnated? When did the divine become human? That occurred nine months earlier when Gabriel visited Mary and said that she would be with child of the Holy Spirit. We have that in our creed. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. So, at that time, Jesus became flesh. But the most important point is that he became flesh in order to become a human being for another purpose. And that purpose was that he would be declared a sinner. That's right. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says very clearly that God the Father recognized Jesus as sinner. And the reason he did that was so that Jesus could pay for our sins as a human being. He was sinless, declared to be a sinner by the Father, paid for our sins, which means we get the gift of the forgiveness of sins. So the big point about the incarnation is that Jesus became flesh in order to die. And that occurs right at his, well, quickly from his birth, when the wise men visited him and one of the gifts they gave him was, well, myrrh. And myrrh was a fluid that you use to anoint the dead. Mary must have been surprised when she received that gift for the baby Jesus. But that's how we were rescued. Jesus not only became a human being, but he became a sinner for us. And that's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But we're also rescued by the crucifixion. And what we talked about is a lot of people think, well, the crucifixion means that he died for our sins. Well, there's no doubt that is true, but that's not the theological meaning of the crucifixion. Something else happened there that rescued us from the wrath of God. What was it? When we look at the words of Jesus from the cross, well, he says to Mary, here's your son, John, to says to John, here's your mother, Mary. No, that doesn't rescue us. He may even say to the one thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. That rescued him, but how does that rescue us? And then you've got, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. That's Jesus going to heaven on Good Friday along with the spirit of the thief. But there is another word that is said that I believe is the essence of the resurrection. And that is found in John chapter 20, beginning with verse 19. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, So that's Sunday, that's the night of the resurrection. 
the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Now, one can imagine that the disciples would also be afraid if Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Because remember, they had all fled from him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter went so far as to deny him three times. Judas was so upset that he committed suicide. So one would think that if Jesus were to return from the dead, he would be bringing judgment on those who did not follow him. But even his mother Mary did not follow him properly. He had told the disciples he was going to Jerusalem, that he would die, but he would be raised three days later. It appeared that none of the disciples kind of got the three days later, and they were all worried that he would die. But no, he had promised he would rise three days later. But there, three days later on Sunday, comes his mother Mary and other women to do what? To rejoice that Jesus is risen from the dead? No, to anoint his dead body for a proper burial. So even his own mother and many of the women and the disciples, they really had a problem that he was going to rise from the dead. So you can imagine the fear on them when suddenly Jesus came and stood among them. Now, what's really important are the next words of Jesus, because I believe these are the theological reasons for the resurrection. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. But then Jesus says to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. That's what we call the office of the keys. But we need to really look more closely at what Jesus, what he meant when he said, peace be with you. Because I believe that that is the essence and the theological meaning behind the resurrection. The Bible teaches that the peace of which Jesus is speaking is found in God alone. Now, people spend their days searching for it in countless other places and other ways. But God is the one who created the world. The peace he had at the beginning of creation with all of creation was broken due to human sin. And among many people, they have a hope for ultimate restoration from God. 
but they do it backwards. What I mean by that is every other religion in the world outside of Christianity thinks the problem is that they want to be at peace with God, but God will not be at peace with them because of their sin. Therefore, they attempt to do good works to reconcile God to themselves. Once more, we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where it says that because of the cross of Jesus Christ, God is reconciled to you. How did that happen? Well, it happened with the words that Jesus said at the crucifixion. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in the New Testament, that's spoken in Aramaic. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Now, what does that mean? It really means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus still believes in God the Father, but he recognizes that he has been abandoned by God. Why? Because on the cross, Jesus was the greatest sinner in the world. And therefore, by being abandoned by the Father, he took upon himself the punishment for your sin. He died for you. And the way that Christianity teaches salvation is that if you believe that gospel promise, guess what? Then you are saved. And that gospel promise comes through faith. Ephesians makes it very clear that we're saved by grace, through faith, not on account of our works. In other words, God is merciful to us. As sinners, we are declared to be saints. You know, how can that happen? Well, Jesus was sinless, but the Father declared him to be a sinner. In the same way, we are sinners, but God declares us to be saints when we trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because now there is peace between us and God the Father. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that God is reconciled to the world. So the church is attempting to help people to be reconciled to God. And that occurs not by their works, but instead through faith. It's a huge difference between law and gospel. Moses brought the law, but the purpose of the law was not to save anybody. It was instead to mirror your sins, to show you that you were a sinner. And when Jesus died for that sin, you now have peace with God the Father through a relationship that you have with Jesus Christ in faith. Now, many of you know the original Hebrew for the word peace. It's 
shalom. And it's a term which has richness of meaning. The best English translations of shalom are found in words like completeness, wholeness, well-being, welfare. The root expression refers to being complete or sound. Now, the original Greek word translated as peace is irene, E-I-R-E-N-E. And it also can be used as a welcoming greeting or a farewell. You would say that word when you first meet somebody or when you leave them, saying, peace be with you. It means absence of war or conflict, as well as well-being and interpersonal harmony. Ultimately, peace is the gift of God to believers through the redempted work of Jesus Christ. It means more than mere absence of conflict. Biblical peace is an inner disposition within the Christian that reflects the ideal of creation, that is, the Garden of Eden, restored to a state of harmony with God, as well as with others, in wellness, wholeness, love, righteousness, and calm. Now, I would say that Besides the Bible, the most important book that you can purchase is not a commentary, because a lot of commentaries written by human beings may have some false ideas in them. Now, we have a wonderful set of commentaries by Lutheran theologians, which are excellent. But if you really want to have a book to know what the Bible says about a specific theological term, no book is better than a concordance. Now, what's a concordance? A concordance is simply a book that has every word in the Bible in alphabetical order. You can look it up and know exactly what the Bible verses say. Now, with some words like love, there are different words in the Hebrew and Greek referring to different kinds of love. So let's say you're looking at a verse. Well, it's good to get a concordance. You look up the English first, and then beside it will have the various Greek or Hebrew words. And so in John 3.16, the word for love is agape, and it will have all the agape verses in order so you can learn what agape means. But we're taking a look at the theological meaning of the resurrection. It says, it informs, it reveals that you are at peace with God and not because of your works. Let's look at a couple of passages. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right 
in God's sight by faith. Notice, not by works, by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Boy, that's a wonderful verse, Romans 5, verse 1. It talks about us being right in God's sight, not because of our works, but because of our trust. That's what faith is, trust in promises. And therefore, not only is God reconciled to us, but we are reconciled to God. We have peace with God the Father, not because of what we have done for God, but because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Acts 10.36, this is a message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Now, we mentioned that when you have peace, it's kind of like a restoration to the time in the Garden of Eden, when things are calm and you don't have tornadoes or bad windstorms, hurricanes or earthquakes. That's really found in Mark chapter 4, 36 to 40. It talks about Jesus is in a boat with his disciples, and soon a fierce storm comes up. If you're ever teaching that lesson as a Sunday school teacher, look up on the internet the artist's name Rembrandt and look Storm on the Sea of Galilee. Just Google that, and the artistic rendering of that will be shown. It's a boat with sails that is being buffeted by the wind and the wave, and the disciples are busy with pails trying to take the water out of the boat. They're anxious, but there in the stern of the boat lies Jesus asleep. They say, when they wake him, don't you care that we're going to drown? What does Jesus do? When he wakes up, he rebukes the wind and says to the waves, peace, be still. And suddenly, the wind stops. There is a great calm. And he asks the disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Because in the Old Testament, only God himself has power over wind and wave. Take a look at the dividing of the Red Sea or the dry land of the Jordan, allowing Israel to go into Canaan. That's God. And the disciples even ask in Matthew, who is this man that wind and wave obey him? He's not just man. He's also God, and that's really, really important. Then we know, as we said, that that good news is to the people of Israel. But listen to Ephesians 2, verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Notice, 
who's given all the credit for bringing peace between us and God the Father. It's Christ. And then it explains in verse 14, he united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. That wall of hostility is represented by the curtain in the temple that divided the Holy of Holies from the people. People were not allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. If they did, they were zapped with God's fire and put to death. But the high priest could go in on the day of redemption. When Jesus was on the cross, the curtain tore. And I can't believe how many theologians think that this means that now we can go into the Holy of Holies. Well, now that's not what that means. When the curtain tore, the same thing happened in Jerusalem that happened with the Babylonian captivity. God came out of the curtain, and now the Holy of Holies is within you. You are the Holy Ones of God. And so, to kind of conclude this, we take a look at number six with verse 24 and following. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. That's a wonderful passage to show that Jesus gives peace. We love to continue with these distinctions between law and gospel in 2023. As I said, we're a few thousand dollars short of making our budget. And so if you would like to send us a donation, law and gospel is the check to law and gospel post office box 28910 st louis missouri 63132 and we'll be back monday to thursday next week for the ending of law and gospel in 2022 i'm tom baker god bless Listen to you law and gospel each weekday morning at 9 30 on kfuo for a tax deductible gift to law and gospel please make your check out to law and gospel and mail to law and gospel p.o box 28910 st louis missouri 63132 or call toll free 1-877-267-1962 Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.